So I thought I'd do just a little introduction. Uh, Pam Jackson helped make these uh, handouts. And so you'll notice a couple pages in, there's, or the very first page, is this uh, prophet, priest, and kings thing. Wow. And yeah, it's it's complicated. So don't. I'm going to try to simplify it a little bit. But um, let's see. Who knows the very first king of Israel? Paul. Wow. Wow. That was quick. So I'm going to draw a little timeline. And uh, so the very first king of Israel, and he was over all Israel, was Saul. And who was the second king? David. King David. Solomon. And then Solomon. So we, we were pretty familiar with all those names. And uh, Solomon was king of Israel around a thousand years before Christ. And so th- this will help with your timeline. And uh, so the way you read this, I'll see if I can uh, get my computer involved. Th- those three names are at the very top of the handout. <clears throat> so I don't know if you can see. And I think, I think all three of those kings reigned 40 years. The Bible actually says that. I don't know if you can see here, Saul... The top left there on your screen. Can everybody see that or no? Yeah. Kind of? Good. So Saul reigned 40 years. David reigned 40 years. And uh, Solomon reigned 40 years. And I gave you the verses. The Bible actually says those things. And then the way you read the rest of this chart is in the middle. Does everybody see where it says BC? The top in the middle. And so it's just kind of a countdown from around 1000 BC. Uh, if you go all the way to the bottom, is 397. So let's just say, let's just say right here is 397, and that 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 pretty much concludes our Old Testament. And uh, you might remember in Jim's teaching, there's about 400 years between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. They, they call that God's silent 400 years. And so that, that's kind of how you read this chart is from the middle out because if you remember, Solomon had a son named Rehoboam. Rehoboam, Rehoboam, so, kind of toward the top left is Judah, the kings of the prophets and kings of Judah. But Rehoboam, his son, the kingdom was divided under King Solomon. Hey, JJ's here. Hey, give her a handout if we've got one there. Hey, sis. Good morning. Hey, you're all right. We're. We're on page two of this. We're trying to look at uh, the kings of Judah and the kings of Israel. There's, and I made this chart, so forgive me. If you find anything wrong with it, please let me know. Um, so there's 20 kings of Judah, and they're, they're listed under the 20 kings of Judah. And then on the right is the kings of Israel. And remember, there was 10 northern tribes and two southern tribes. Uh, of Judah and ten northern. So anyway, so there's this countdown of all these kings, and those dates are kind of like when they began to reign. And so we, uh, let's just take example. Uh, the top left, Rehoboam. The Bible says he reigned seventeen years. So. There should be about 17 years between 975 and the next king. Is that right? 957, there's about 17 years there-ish. Should be 58, shouldn't it? Anyway, it's, it's pretty close. So, so now if you can... Uh, if you can hold your Bible in your other hand, <laughs> let's look at the book of Jeremiah. 
Let's do that before we get into our lesson this morning. Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Jeremiah. And uh, I'm trying to think... uh, uh, Rich? Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Sorry. We're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 1. Now this is going to be really difficult because I've got a handout for today that's not in your book. <laughs> so we're, we're multitasking. Okay. Jeremiah chapter 1. And uh, in chapter 1 here, In verse 1, the Bible says, The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon. Uh, so, uh, hey Ed, is there another hand, is there another handout uh, for uh, John here? Hey John, there's a handout up here, uh, brother. John's got one. John is he's armed. He's got his sword. I don't know if you guys uh, know uh, our daughter, Sarah, here. This is our daughter, Sarah, and her husband's in uh, Fort Riley, Kansas, this morning. Hey, Pat. So, let me get my spectacles on. So, we we just read here, Jeremiah 1.1, and now read verse 2. To whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah. So now, if you if you look on this complicated handout, <laughs> they uh, the Bible says there's simplicity in Christ. So I hope it's not too complicated, because God is not the author of confusion. Amen. So. If everybody is able to see on their handout or on the screen, are we looking for Messiah on the handout? Yeah. It's down. I can't. I can't. I can't reach it. But uh, so yeah, Josiah. What we just read here was the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah in the days of Josiah. And so, uh, Connie, I think you had asked last week if you could have something to... Because last week we talked about these kings of Israel or Judah and just their connection to Jeremiah. So I wanted everybody to see that. Uh, so on the left hand is the prophets and... and uh, also read there... Jeremiah 1... Verse 2, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of David, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. So... Does everybody see Zedekiah? So Jeremiah was the prophet during the time of all these kings. And unto the the kingdom of Judah was carried into Babylonian captivity. So uh, let's say somewhere in here was uh, Babylonian captivity. (laughs) 
and it's around and uh, one, one thing cool about this I told the class last week is when I was in Israel a little over a year ago our tour guide just kind of said very matter-of-factly yeah uh, Israel was carried captive uh, our forefathers were carried captive around 586 BC and so uh, what we're saying here is, is historical as well as biblical and so uh, you'll you'll see I put the date 587 here uh, was 586 587 was their captivity so anyway um, I think that's all is there any questions about this chart I just wanted to point out where we're at in history where we're at in our uh, study of Jeremiah and we we said that he he was pro, uh, prophesying for about uh, forty years. So w- one thing I like is when I see uh, people who who have kind of stayed by this stuff, who have you know longevity in their ministry. I mean, doesn't it grieve you when you hear uh, a man of God fall or a woman of God? you know, leave the Lord, so to speak. And so, uh, anyway, Jeremiah was a faithful man. Uh, there's a few younger folks in here, but we said he became, he, he got God's calling on his life when he was about 18 to 20 years old. So he was a young man and he uh, prophesied for 40 years. So he would have been uh, in his uh, early 60s, so about my age. I'm going to be 60 here in a few weeks. And so, uh, you know, uh, so he probably wrote uh, this book maybe toward the end of his life. Uh, I'm, I'm not totally sure about that. But uh, anyway, that's a little bit about Jeremiah. So I'm going to give you a handout now. And, and I don't know if you can... Uh, I've got 20 of these. So, uh, John, why don't you take one and we'll just pass it down the line. <clears throat> so this is today's handout. We're going to look at Jeremiah chapter 2. And so this is our third week. Now next week, you're going to be really excited because uh, Brother Jim is going to teach us about Babylon. So I told you uh, the fourth Sunday of every month, I'm just going to kind of take a break. And uh, Jim is going to teach about Babylon. So it's relevant to our study. And so Jim will be in here next week. And so that's what we'll do next week. And then two weeks from today... We'll be in the sanctuary. Uh, there'll be a, a guest speaker. So, anyway, this will be your the last of my teaching for two or three weeks. So, all right, we we are kind of up to speed. We're in Jeremiah chapter two, and uh, there's a handout going around. And I I don't know about you, but. Uh, we we all need kind of reminders because we we are forgetful people and so I think what the Lord does here in these first few verses of chapter two is He reminds them of of their youth where they were where they came from and so uh, let's look at Jeremiah chapter two and would somebody be willing to read the first four verses Yeah, Sarah. Up, oh, Sarah's got it. Sorry, Belinda. <laughs> Got to be quicker on that buzzer. Over <laughs> <laughs> the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine apostles, uh, espousals, like they were engaged. When thou wentest after me in the wilderness, in a land that was not sown, Israel was holiness unto the Lord, and the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him shall offend. Evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Okay, so this is kind of a little introduction to this chapter. In in verse 2 that Sarah read, uh, God says, Hey, I remember how kind you were. There was a love of your espousal. I think maybe that's for one another. And he even says, Thou wentest after me in the wilderness, in a land that was not sown. He said, You guys were pursuing me. And uh, and then he says something in verse 4, uh, verse 3. 
he says, uh, all that devour him shall offend. And You know, um, all of us have maybe been offended in some way. Um... But it says that the people that devoured, uh, so so God's given them just a brief history. You know, you followed me after the after me in the wilderness. You went after me. Uh, I remember in your youth, you were so kind. You were, had love. Uh, but you guys were actually in this holiness unto the Lord. You you represented your Lord well. You were the first fruit of, of God's increase. And then all that devour Him shall offend. Uh, so people that offend God's people and devour them, it says evil shall come upon them. So this is kind of his introduction. Evil's going to happen to people that offend you. And I wanted to give you, this is cool if you can do it. If you, if you can hold your place here and look at Matthew and Luke. Matthew 13. When I was a new Christian, God showed me this. And uh, it's still... You know, the Bible says to compare spiritual things with spiritual things. And so I want to do that right here. It's in uh, Matthew 13 and Luke 8. If you can get both of those, I want you to see this. It's neat. The Bible does this a lot. So Matthew 13 and, and Luke 8. If you can get both of those. Matthew 13 and Luke 8. I know it's a lot to hold here if you got three places. And, and let, me, let me just read this so I can point out what I want us to see. <clears throat> Matthew thirteen twenty one, And this is a, kind of a parable of the sower. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while... For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. So here's a person that has good, uh, seed sown on, and uh, persecution because of the word, it causes this person to be offended. And now look at Luke 8. This is also the parable of the sower in Luke chapter 8. And verse 13, it says, They on the rock, Luke eight thirteen, They on the rock are they which had, when they hear, received the word with joy. And these have no root which for a while believe, and in time of temptation be offended, fall away. And so th- this is what goes in your first blank. Offend means to fall away. There's, so you, I think I gave you two blanks on your handout. If you want to just put in offend means to fall away. <clears throat> now, now does, everybody, does anybody know what uh, other word is meant by this? I, uh, I gave you... Uh, well... You know, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna hold up right there because I I've got another another thing in just a minute I want to show you about that. So I gave you a teaching point here. the The key to not being offended is because and we we know this in addiction, don't we? That you you have the old boyfriend or old girlfriend or you have your old dealer that comes around and. They want to. They want to cause you to fall away, right? They want to cause you to relapse, right? Uh, misery loves company, and people uh, in, in that uh, in that uh, part of our society, they they, uh, they cause others to stumble, and it, it's it's a little bit human nature. It's not just drugs and alcohol that can cause us to, to fall away. But uh, but God says when when people do that to His people, evil shall come upon them. And so uh, it, it even says that in Matthew 18, it talks about that woe unto them that cause my children to be offended, to fall away. 
so what would, so God is a good father he protects his children and he doesn't want us to fall away does he and the key for us if everybody can listen to me right now is to love thy the love God's law because Psalm 119 verse 165 says great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them if we're in love with God's law nothing's going to cause us to fall away we will not be offended and so uh, when we do fall away it's because of a lack of belief or loving God's word and uh, having his peace in our lives now this next section verses 5 through 8 of chapter 2 I don't think we'll read all these but look on your handout I just listed these verses list the sins that Israel committed they they have gone far from God they walked after vanity and they actually became vain Uh, does anybody know what vain or vanity means? love of themselves I'm sure that's part of it, but what does that word actually mean? Something that's useless, something that's not of God. Useless. Something to look at. Like a vanity for... Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what I was thinking. It's like what is pleasing emptiness. to your eyes. And, and emptiness. That That's another word I was thinking. So uh, nothingness or emptiness. And so, yeah, so when we follow after vain, empty things, we become vain and... Uh, and so Israel became that. Uh, Judah, particularly, uh, in verse 6, they don't inquire after God. They defiled his land. Uh, they made God's heritage an abomination. The priests did not inquire after the Lord. The pastors transgressed. The prophets prophesied by Baal. And they walked after unprofitable things. And I gave you a blank there. It's, it's out of uh, verse 8. Some, somebody read uh, Jeremiah 2 verse 8 for us. The priest said not, Where is the Lord? And they that handled the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me. And the prophets prophesied by Baal. And walked after things that do not profit. Yep. How far? That's it. So it, it, it lists these three groups of pre- people. The, the priests, the pastors, the prophets. And so what I had you put in your blank was just their leaders. Their, their leaders... Uh, even though all the people did these ten things, it was the leaders. And you know, we're uh, our country's in the middle of uh, election and uh, changing of of office by our president. And uh, so, uh, I, it kind of haunts me. Our pastor said that our nation will get the leader it deserves. You know, so regardless of who you voted for, we're, we're probably getting who we deserve. And so, uh, uh, th- this verse is convicting to me because, uh, as a leader of my family, as a leader of this class, there, there's a there's a higher level of concentration for leaders. Consecration. Consecration. Did I say concentration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, I wasn't concentrating, <laughs> but. Uh, so anyway, just be mindful of that, that those are who God holds responsible. The, uh, I can't imagine uh, teaching you about Baal this morning, but that's what was going on there. And uh, these priests were sacrificing to false gods. I can't imagine doing that. And yet, uh, it was going on. So the word leaders is what went in your blank. And uh, if you can turn, if you can hold your place here and turn to Second Thessalonians two three. Second Thessalonians two and verse three. And uh, I think I'll take a minute to give a uh, a commercial again. Not everybody was here when I announced this, but uh, right here in my hand I have a copy of this is Jim Stovall's overview of the Bible, and it, it's it's got all his uh, handouts and uh, charts, and this is an overview of the whole Bible, and uh, his cost was twenty five dollars to make each one of these. They're five hundred pages, uh, five hundred and twenty pages, and so if you want one. Uh, 
pay him $25. He's got about 10 or 12 of them, was all he could afford to uh, print right now. So, uh, anyway, somebody read 2 Thessalonians 2 3 if they would. Oh, yeah, Belinda, I'm sorry, I didn't. Go for it, girl. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of So the Bible prophesies, does everybody see that? It prophesies this falling away first. And uh, do you know what the Greek word for that is, falling away? That's what I was going to get earlier. It's a. a, I don't know if I spelled that right, but we've all heard about going into apostasy. Well, that's what apostasy means. That the the Greek word for there be this falling away. There's a falling away that happens before the man of sin is revealed that Belinda read about, and so that's where we get the word apostasy from the Greek word. Apostasy. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, Kevin, do you have a comment? Another verse that goes with that uh, is Second Timothy uh, three sixteen. Yeah, read that. I think I had that. Scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction of righteousness, that man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works, and that thoroughly furnished. Uh, so if you look that up, uh, there's there's uh, like thoroughly. I thought it was thoroughly. Uh huh. Like, like, or I mean, thoroughly is what I thought it was. But it's really like thoroughly. Yes. Like from the inside out. Yes. So as we read this, we fill up our inside. Yeah. And our, our insides get healthier before our outside. True. Amen. That's how God works on the inside out. Yep. We're thoroughly furnished. Yeah, JJ. Another version of that is. Um, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, just in case you couldn't fully understand the other. Uh huh. It's God breathed. That's what inspiration means, isn't it? Good job. Amen. Well, this next section here. <clears throat> Verses 9 through 13. I wasn't sure if we'd get through this whole chapter. I'd kind of like to if we can. I don't know if we'll be on track to do a whole chapter every week. But uh, 9 through 13 of Jeremiah 2. Uh, if somebody will read verse 9, Jeremiah 2 9. Yeah, Connie? Wherefore I will yet plead with you, saith the Lord. And with your children's children will I please. And, and I, the thing I thought of there, I gave you a blank for this, is just the word long-suffering. Because God has been pleading with you, and He's going to plead with your children, and He's going to plead with your children's children. You know, and he's saying, you know, turn unto me. You know, don't go after the false gods. Don't don't make the mistakes that your parents do. And so God is long suffering. Can, can we get an amen on that? Amen. And aren't you glad he is? Because uh, he he's not slack concerning slack as, as some men count slackness, but he is long suffering to us, were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. His love is unconditional and ours is conditional. It is, isn't it? I, I give up on people before God does for sure. And You know, one, one thing I thought of, I don't know if you've ever thought of this. Um, do, do you know the night that Judas betrayed our Lord? Jesus called him friend. He's like, friend, you know, what, what are you doing? And and uh, that's when he kissed him. He betrayed him with a kiss, and and uh, Jesus called him friend. Even even then, Jesus called him friend. So that's just pretty wild thought. You don't you don't think by well, I know it says later in the Bible that uh, you know he betrayed him. That those words exactly, but there's like a, another book out there, Book of Judas. Oh yeah. It's called the the. Uh, pro, uh, Gospel of Judas is what it's called. Hmm. And I, I was like, what? Seriously, hmm. I never seen nothing like that. I haven't either. Anyways, uh, Judas says that Jesus asked him to do that in that book. 
it's not true. Or right, right. It's must have been a, one of those lost, lost books. But uh, so anyway, the Lord is long-suffering toward His people. He protects His people, and it, it mentions a couple of countries here these isles of Chittim those are islands in the Mediterranean and it mentions Kedar in verse 10 I know right uh, so these are nations with false gods and he's saying to to pass over them and look at them and see if there be a such thing and, and look at verse 11 hath a nation changed their gods which are yet no gods but my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit and uh, if you'll hold your place here for a minute and look at Psalm 115 Psalm chapter 115 th- this is my place that I I collect verses about false gods is Psalms 115 and if I'll have somebody read that uh 115 verses 4 through 8. This is all about false gods. If somebody, uh, Edward, you want to read that, brother? 4 through 8? 4 through 8, yeah. Idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes they have, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses they have, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet they have, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. Mm-hmm. I was picturing the three monkeys. Hear us speak and see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like how it says that the people that make those idols and worship those idols are the same as those idols. Yeah. Oh, You'd be... Wow. You become like what you worship, don't you? What What is the word? Uh, what does it mean? Uh, polygamy. What does polygamy mean? Like multiple wives. Multiple wives. Well, in India, when I was in India, I went to India on two different mission trips. They are what you call a, a polytheistic religion. Uh, Hinduism is polytheistic. and What do you think that might mean? They have a lot of gods. They have many gods. And uh, it, it was really weird. So our, the missionary there has to hire uh, like taxi drivers to come pick us up at the airport. We, we fly into a city called uh, Vashakaputnam. That's a big word. <laughs> and it's about a six-hour drive from Regatta, where, where the missionary is. And so uh, some of the taxi drivers he hired are not Christians. But even the ones that are Christians, uh, they have little statues on their dashboard. I mean, sometimes more than one. And even the motel we stayed at, it's called like the International Hotel something or another of Regatta. And uh, one of their main gods is actually called Ganesh. And it's funny because... because uh, yeah, So Ganesh, Pastor Ganesh was named after one of their gods. And it's a, it's got an elephant head. It's an elephant head god. And it's it's on a thing right out in front of the hotel, and so we we don't do that here in America. We may idolize money, but we don't have a statue of a dollar bill, do we? But it, it's very common in India to have you know these busts of their gods in front of their hotels and images and statues of God in their taxis and they want to cover all their bases like they want to yeah well they have, may have a God for harvest and a God for I honestly think that all of our days of the week are named after Greek gods yeah. Mo- Monday I think was yeah. it's like the God of that day or something I don't know but Thor is Thursday huh Wolf Woden Wednesday Thor is Thursday Thor Thursday huh so some of the Greek gods 
Saturday is like Saturn. Okay. So anyway, that's that's interesting. But uh, <clears throat> so even though it's not true here in America that we would you know, bow down. It's very common in other countries is kind of my point. And and Israel was doing that. They were going whoring after gods which aren't really gods. There, there's no power. There's no power in them uh, other than maybe some demonic, but they left Jehovah God. That, that's, that's what we're at in Jeremiah 2. It says that in, in cha- chapter 2 verse 11 that we read, Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods, but my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. So it's uh, God's people are going after uh, things that don't profit. Can anybody relate to that without raising our hands? So we've all gone after, we've wasted time, we've wasted money, we've wasted relationship, we've raised, wasted emotions, we've wasted glory. We wasted glory. And so uh, it says here that there's uh, two evils. Back to Jeremiah 2 and verse 13. If somebody wants to read that, 2.13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and he themselves out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So these these two evils, one is they've forsaken the fountain of living waters, and, and that's relevant to Brian's message last week, the, the lady at the well, the woman at the well, uh, he offered her living waters. And that's what uh, John 7 says, that the Holy Spirit is like living waters that, that gush out of our, our inward man. And uh, they, they've actually hewn, they've dug cisterns that can hold no water. Let me, let me read to you something about cisterns because the house I grew up in had a cistern. Basically, the gutters of the house funneled the water into the well that's essentially a cistern. But let me read this a little kind of encyclopedia-like thing about cisterns. It says, The dryness of the summer months in Palestine and the absence of large rivers together with the scarcity of springs in many places made it necessary to collect water from the rains into cisterns. It was a custom from the earliest times to store up water during the rainy seasons. The cisterns were either dug in earth or cut out of the soft limestone. Sometimes a shaft was sunk like a well with the bottom widened in the shape of a jug. Evacuate... Not evacuations. Excavations of this sort were uh, combinations of cisterns and wells, retaining the water from rainfalls as well as that which drained through the limestone. Several other kinds of cisterns were made also. Some opened at the top and entered by steps. Jerusalem was abundantly supplied with water by means of cisterns and during the long and terrible sieges did not suffer for lack of a supply. Water from cisterns is never as fresh and pure as that from a living fountain, like a spring, and at any time a cistern is likely to break or leak as referred to here. So I thought that was kind of interesting about cisterns that I thought was uh, maybe edifying to us today. Uh, so look at the back page of your handout. Has everybody got all the blanks maybe? No, that is what? Pleading? Long-suffering. Long-suffering. Uh, long-suffering. Yeah. Yes. So at the top of your... It even fit in the blank. I know. That's uh, it's poor planning. So uh, the top of your second page, uh, my teaching point here is anything that we put before God is called idolatry. Anything you put in front of God is an idol. It's idolatry. And that that's what that verse beside a Colossians says that... Uh, it says covetousness is idolatry. When we covet things, we, we are committing idolatry. When we 
seek after things that God has not yet provided. Um, so the next section here, 14 through 19, uh, Jeremiah makes some predictions. And um, I won't go through all of this, but in verses 17 and 18, so Jeremiah 2, 17 and 18, let's have somebody new read that. Uh, John, do you, do you want to read it, brother? Have you not brought this on yourself, and that you have forsaken the Lord your God when he led you in the way? And now I take the road to Egypt to drink the waters of Sahor, or I take the road to Syria to drink the waters of the river. And, and what, what, I was, what I was thinking there that John read, it talks about this way of Egypt and there's waters they're wanting there and the way of Assyria, they're trying to drink the waters of that river. Those are like the cisterns. God is providing them the, in the promised land, but, but they're trying to go back to Egypt. They're trying to go to Assyria like the northern tribes did. So th- those are kind of like their cisterns of, of nourishment and water they're trying to get when God is the living water. And so w- what he says here in verse 19, just a second here, yeah. So, so, uh, maybe John, read 19 also. Your own wickedness will correct you, and your backslidings will rebuke you. Know therefore and see that it is an evil and bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord your God. And the fear of me is not in you, says the Lord God of hosts. So this is, I think, uh, this word backsliding is in here uh, more times than any other book of the Bible. And, you know, the word kind of defines itself as like sliding backwards, right? So they, they had this fount of living water, and, and they're backsliding. They're trying to go back to Egypt. They're trying to think, man, Assyria's gods look pretty pretty tempting, so let's go after them. And so, uh, but uh, can, can somebody look up Proverbs 14.14? 14, 14? Look at Proverbs fourteen fourteen. You got it? Yeah. Alright. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. So so what I had you put in your teaching point there, backsliding is a matter of the heart. Because what Kevin read, the, it said the backslider in heart is something or another, right? Yeah. It says the backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. Yeah, so they were they were being filled with their own ways instead of the ways of the Lord. So the word heart goes in your blank there. The backsliding is a matter of the heart. That, that's what God's concerned with because like we say, God works on the inside out. So he is working in the heart to change the action. And one thing I tell our folks in, in recovery is before we change the way we act, we have to change uh, the way we think, and the way we change the way we think is to change what we believe. So, once we begin believing the Bible, then that changes the way we think, and then it changes the way we act. Does that make sense? And it it, it has in in my life, and uh, so then you can kind of prioritize and put, you know, when you put God first above your own thoughts and He changes your thinking and that's what it says uh, commit thy works unto the Lord and He will establish thy thoughts and then you, you'll change the way you act. That's that's behavior modification. So uh, Roman numeral V now, I put the word shame is the result of Judah's rejection of God. We, we've got about 10 minutes here. Let's try to get through all this if we can. But it's in, it's in verse... It's... Um, let me see it here. I'm 26. Somebody read verse 26 of Jeremiah 2. I will. All right. As the thief to the... As the thief is ashamed when he is found, so is the house of Israel ashamed. They, their kings, their princes, or princes, and their priests, and the prophets. So, uh,. Maybe not everybody has been a thief, but we've we've all got caught doing something wrong. And isn't there like instant shame? Like, oh man, I'm busted. I did it. It's on me. And so, 
that's what he's saying to Israel. <coughs> Getting. <coughs> Let me get some water here. He's saying, just as a thief is a shame when he gets caught, that's you, Israel. You've worshipped these other gods, you've done these things, and I am the Lord, and I, I'm calling you out. So that, that's what these verses are about. They, uh, they, they already, they've already. Uh, it says in verse twenty that they they broke. Uh, For of old time I have broken thy yoke. So so God freed him from the yoke of bondage in Egypt. That's what that's referring to. And. Um, I gave you a couple blanks, and I'll just give those to you. Uh, we'll talk about this for sure in another lesson. But Jesus is pictured in Jeremiah as a righteous branch. You know, in, in John, he's called, uh, I am the true vine, and ye are the branches. But here, Jesus is pictured as a righteous branch. And he, he's also Israel's redeemer. And uh, in verse 22... It says, For though thou wash thee with nitre and take thee much soap, yet thine iniquity is marked before me, saith the Lord God. And uh, my, com- my comment there is just that Israel can't make itself clean, and neither can we. we. It takes the blood of Christ to cleanse us, and it did for them too. And then in verse 23... It uses a word that I didn't know what it meant, so I looked it up. Verse 23, How canst thou say, I am not polluted? I have not gone after Balaam. See thy way in the valley. Know what thou hast done. Thou art a swift dromedary, 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 traversing her ways. And what do you think a dromedary is? I didn't know what... It's kind of like a camel. It is, man. Wow. Pat, that's good. I thought it was some kind of fruit, but then it's like traversing her way. I'm like, how could a fruit? So it's a young it's a young uh, female camel. A female camel. A dromedary. Yeah. And then uh, it's... It's also likened to a, a wild ass that's seeking her pleasure. That that has to do with mating. So the young camel is kind of reckless. The the wild ass is seeking pleasure and it's it's mating. And then it's even like a shoeless, thirsty woman going after strangers. <laughs> That's what it says in verse 25. I don't know about this Jeremiah guy. Right? Okay, look at verse 25. <laughs> he, he was from the right side of the tracks. Withhold thy foot from being unshod. There's the un no shoes and thy throat from thirst but thou sayest there is no hope for me for I have loved strangers and after them will I go so this is this shoeless thirsty woman anyway my teaching point there is Israel was shamed for our example and so that's what the New Testament talks about that that uh, these things happen to Israel for our example and our examples and uh, I'll leave it at that and, and then uh, these last seven or eight verses uh, 31 through 37 Judah forgot her God and so there's some drastic comparisons made in 31 through 33 it says 31 O generation see ye the word of the Lord have I been a wilderness unto Israel a dark a land of darkness wherefore say my people we are lords we will come no no more unto thee and then it says in 32, Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. And then he says, Why trimmest thou thy way to seek love? Trimmest like to study. Therefore hast 
thou also taught the wicked ones thy way. So they were so wicked, they were teaching the other nations their their bad ways. And so these are these drastic comparisons. And uh, it mentions Egypt a couple times in this in this passage. And my teaching point here is that if if we want to live in the promised land, we have to leave Egypt. And I got that out of a book somewhere, but that that's pretty profound, isn't it? Yes. That you know, aren't we just like them? We we're still wanting to go back to old ways and old ways of thoughts, and we've been changed. You can't imagine a bride forgetting her wedding dress on the day of her wedding, but yet Israel forgot her God. And so, um, anyway. That that's all my thoughts for today. Is there any other thoughts or announcements anybody want to make? Uh, uh, what's that? Oh, I do have an announcement. I don't know when yet, but uh, we're moving. We 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 bought a house, a different house in Raymore. We're just moving two and a half miles, and uh, but we haven't sold our house yet. That's why we don't know when we're moving. So, so we need prayers for that. So yes, I knew that. Are you gonna need help moving once you move? Oh, yes, we will. We probably will. <laughs> Angie. Angie says yes. We this guy's letting us put a few. We we put three pickup loads of stuff in the garage yesterday. We moved a little, so it, it's going to happen. It's a friend of Steve's, so he will. So yeah, we're kind of buying from a friend, but I want you guys to know that from me in case you may hear it somewhere else. How, it's long, how long were you at the house here now? 29 years. Wow. Like, in like a week. Yeah. It'll be 29. I got, oh I got so saved. I got saved uh, two months after we moved into the house that we're living in. So I've been saved almost 29 years. March 13th will be 29. And uh, Sarah was three at the time and Luke was seven. She doesn't remember anywhere else. So, so it's a house our kids grew up in so anyway pray for my wife she's uh packing a lot of boxes does that mean your kids have to get all their stuff out of that? Yes. <laughs> I have her bed full of things she's been going through their like artwork when they were little and those she had little preschool papers oh wow it's pretty cute yeah well, good luck yeah thanks yeah she got it for you so alright well we'll pull up there uh, that was JJ she's kind of new to our group and uh, John's up here how do you say your last name? Kehoe Kehoe and um, Billy's with us today I think that's all we got we got Tom back with us so and Belinda yeah I think this is Belinda's second time in here maybe yeah. Hey, uh, Tom. Yeah, I graduated. Hey, Tom Merritt. Would you mind praying for us as we close? Would you? Why don't you stand up so we can hear? Tom's going to pray, and we'll uh, we can chat some more. Yeah. <laughs> point you out. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for the time that we're blessed.